Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. If you are expecting in the next couple of months, I'd love to hear from you. One of you lovely listeners gave me a fantastic idea that I'm going to run with immediately. So as I said, if you're due your little baby soon, you can contact me via DM on Instagram or you can get in touch through the website and my email address is there as well. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. In this week's episode, I chat to Emma and she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. Emma delivered both of her boys uh, after being induced and she talks us through the interventions that followed with both. So Harry was born with the aid of suction and Teddy was born with the aid of forceps. So she talks us through all those details and the whole induction process basically. And she does have two different insights. So she talks us through life as a first time mum and she also gave birth during COVID-19. So she gives us a little insight there as well. So lots to take away from this episode. I hope you enjoy. Emma, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. If you wanted to start by giving us a little introduction to you and your family. Uh, yes. So um, I'm just looking back here. I actually wrote down a few things. So um, We got married in uh, 2015, uh, Ken and I, and pretty much uh, started trying straight away. was like, um didn't want to wait I suppose um I think I was 32 at that stage and Ken is uh, six years then older than me so went for it uh nothing happened and tried for about a year but I wasn't I wasn't too I wasn't too worried about it at the start really I was just like let's just give it a go let's see what happens and uh just kind of went on the months went on and um as I said, nothing happened. And then what happened? I suppose then the following year, I think I decided maybe I'll go and see something. And like, I wasn't actually too worried because like my periods were really regular. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know. I don't know why maybe that was a bit naive, but I didn't think that there was going to be um, any major problems. 
Were you so, tracking your cycle throughout these, you know, when you were? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I had the app. I think I did. The, actually, no, I probably didn't do the ovulation sticks the first year. Okay. I wasn't that into it. But like, as in, I knew I knew every every month, like your fertile window and stuff like that. So we made sure that we were giving it a good go. But um, yeah, still nothing. So that was month after month. So I think it was around probably the the same time next year. So say we got married September 2015, September 2016, maybe I went, I know I think it was that Christmas actually, I went to see a doctor. And I don't know, I didn't pick, I didn't go to my GP. I just went, I think I just picked someone off the internet, basically. I had done some research, like message boards and stuff, and I wasn't really kind of interested in going the IVF route or anything because again I didn't think that I needed that I think it, I think I probably thought it was just something something small and then we just needed to get sorted so I heard about um Dr Phil Boyle and Neo Fertility mm-hmm. and his kind of approach is more natural approach and it kind of focuses on your cycle and trying to restore cycle so I suppose I had done a bit of research so I made an appointment there and um yeah, as I said, like he just kind of looks at your cycles, looks at everything. Um, Ken got a test, everything was grand with him. And he just, I think he just kind of thought that the same as me. I don't know why I'm saying that, but like there was just something. He's like, because your age, um, because like you've been trying over a year now and because your periods are very regular, he's like, I think there could be more of like a structural problem rather than a hormonal problem. Okay. Um, I think there could be a blockage there um and I was like okay um so he actually referred me straight for surgery for this kind of like exploratory uh surgery and I was like okay and I got a bit of like pushback a few of my friends were like god it's you know it's quite severe to be going straight for surgery maybe you should try this and that first but I kind of trusted him and said we'll go for it um and then between the jigs and the reels I'm trying to think the timeline it was probably the next May. Maybe we tried for a few more cycles then. And I went for the surgery then in May 2017. And that was my first time um, ever having surgery, ever being knocked out or anything like that. So it was quite nervous. Mm. And but it was the surgeon was lovely. And um, afterwards, woke up and he was like, yes, um, basically, you have a septum in your womb. Okay. So a septum, it's quite rare. Like even if you look it up, I, I couldn't find a lot on it. But basically when um, when women are born, um, everything forms from your nose and you see the septum in your nose. Yeah. So everything kind of creates from that. So that it's basically when your womb is formed, it doesn't fully separate. Um, and there's a septum down the middle, like like with the tissue in your nose, that kind of septum. So basically there's a septum down the middle and it's this hard tissue and it's not that rich um, tissue that needs that you that an embryo needs to implant on. So um, basically nothing would have ever implanted there oh, wow. because, yeah, it's, it's just it's just like I think I was just really lucky um, with the doctor I got. But um yeah, nothing would have ever implanted, but it was really easy to remove. So he removed it. And um, then three months later, I was pregnant. Was it keyhole? Or- um, 
No, it, it went, um, I think he went through vaginally okay. Okay. into the womb and kind of just cut it away. Um, yeah, so I recovered for one month and then, yeah, so that was in the May and then in the September, found out I was pregnant. So were you told to hold off on trying within a certain time frame or did they just say, go for it? Yeah, so the first month was like, don't. And then um, after that, I was still with um, Neo Fertility then and they, I was charting with them. So I knew like, and I was doing the ovulation tests and I knew the kind of fertile window. Um, so yeah, then three months later, found out. Like, it was just amazing. I I was in shock like you just followed your gut with with going with who you went with as well yeah yeah cool <laughs> yeah exactly and like if I had gone I think to an IVF clinic they normally wouldn't um do that basically and you would just probably start off with IVF and I could have spent thousands of euro and it would never have worked because they wouldn't have known there was a structural issue and they would have like tried to get like embryos to implant but they wouldn't have implanted because they couldn't so um did you feel yeah. more in control at the possibility that it was structural or not necessarily hormonal that it could have been um rectified maybe a little bit easier I don't know yeah if that's the right word yeah I did I definitely did because I had all the bloods done and all the bloods were perfect and like my cycle was perfect and everything else seemed to be fine so I was kind of more confident, I suppose, but it was still a huge shock when I found out I was yeah. pregnant. I was still expecting it to maybe take a year, maybe even after that. And I still didn't even know whether it would happen for sure. Um, so yeah, we were on holidays. We went, we had like a mad September. We, we had done loads. I was at electric picnic with friends and then we had gone to Kerry and then we decided to go to Spain. And we go to Spain kind of most Septembers and um, my brother and his sister-in-law were there and we had other friends there. And it was just like, it was a bit of a mad week, but I kind of felt a bit off. I was like, mm, I don't feel like a hundred percent. And then like, I just remember sitting on the beach and I was like, God, my boobs are really sore. Why is that? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and, yeah. Still not even putting things together, but then it was, it's quite funny because, um, my brother and sister-in-law went off uh, to another part of Spain to a wedding and our friends left and um, I was like okay Ken like I think we're going to do a test but in Spain you can't get pregnancy tests in uh, in like on the counter at all or like sorry on the shelf at all so it has to be you have to go to a, and they're behind the counter and you have to speak to someone um to ask for a pregnancy test and I was a bit mortified and I was like no I'm not going I'm sending him in <laughs> so and he's like this big bogger Irish man going into the Spanish farms and being like a pregnancy test <laughs> it was just so funny um so yeah he brought that home to me did the test and it didn't like didn't even take time to change it was like boom straight away right like pregnant and I think we were just we were just so happy, but we were also like in shock as well. So how did you feel? Or sorry, how far gone were you then when you tested positive? I was probably about five weeks at that. I had like, because I, I, my period was a week late, but I was still not really thinking that there was anything. So yeah, I was probably about five weeks then. So then when you got home, did you go, were you still under the care then of the... Yes, yes. So that was great actually, because he gave us an early scan. Oh, lovely. Yeah, full circle so, that's cool yeah it's great 
So that was about, I think, seven, eight weeks. Um, we went back to him. He did an early scan, saw the heartbeat and then discharged us and was like, you know, off you go. So that was really good. And when we saw, when we, yeah, I was really nervous before that scan. And mm. then when we got that scan, um, yeah, it was just exciting. So um, then I decided to go to the Rotunda, um, mainly because my aunt is actually a midwife in the Rotunda. Oh, lovely. So, it, yeah, it was so nice. And um, it's been amazing for having two two pregnancies, um, especially during COVID, the second pregnancy. Like, my aunt, she was just like, I felt so special because I had somebody in the hospital, whereas nobody else had anybody. So, um yeah, absolutely no brainer. I was like, I'm definitely going to the Rotunda, even though like my mom had all of us in Holla Street and I hadn't really known anyone else to go to the Rotunda because it's kind of north side. It's a bit further away for us. But um, yeah, as I said, like my auntie was there and I was definitely going to go uh, where I knew someone. How did you feel then in your in the, your first trimester? Oh, very sick. Yeah. So there was a lot of puking. Definitely. I think I probably puked every day for 12 to 14 weeks, but it's kind of the same. Like it's that morning sickness. Um, I just remember puking every morning before getting into the car, going to work, but then I would be like, okay, I would have that nausea um, during the day. And then I couldn't really stomach any, like I remember like I couldn't eat dinners. I couldn't eat vegetables or anything that would just alter my stomach. I think I lived on toast and noodles or cheese yeah. <laughs> um and but other than that like um felt really good everything like it was a pretty normal pregnancy we had our 12-week scan we had our 20-week scan uh, we didn't find out what we what we were going to have we said we'd wait um for a surprise um which was nice and um then we had that massive snow. This is one thing that sticks out from that pregnancy is like we had the massive snow of, um, was it 2018? Um, so yeah, that it was. February, March, was yeah. it? Yeah, it was in February, the March. It was actually storm Emma and um, we were snowbound. And I think I was around 26 weeks pregnant then. And I just remember thinking, Jesus, like, what if anything happens? They're going to have to helicopter me out of here <laughs> because we live in the country in the middle of nowhere and we were completely snowbound. Like, there was huge drifts of snow. We didn't get out for five days. And I just remember that that period being quite funny. Um, not funny at the time. I think I was a bit worried at the time, but then afterwards, um, just to be pregnant also because... Um, we were we were um, snowed in with my mom and my brother and sister-in-law and Ken and they were all drinking every night and I was there <laughs> pregnant and miserable just looking at them all <laughs> pouring the drinks <laughs> yeah exactly and going to bed at like eight o'clock <laughs> um yeah so then uh pregnancy progressed fine I was due on the 21st of May and I actually did loads of um reading I got into um hypnobirthing my another auntie of mine used to be a midwife and also is like a hypnotherapist as well so um she did uh we went up to her for a day and she did this kind of whole um hypnotherapy 
session, I suppose, um, with us. And I, I was really into that and I was reading all the books and, you know, wanting to just educate myself as much as I could about birth, about what everything was coming up. And I suppose when I look back now, um, I was slightly naive, I think as every first time mom is. Yeah. <laughs> and just thinking, do you know, everything will be perfect and my body is built for this. And obviously I still believe all that, but it, should, it just didn't go that way uh, for me. But um, yeah, just really positive. I did um, the antenatal classes in the rotunda as well and because my auntie actually signed me up for all these and also a breastfeeding kind of workshop as well did you have any preferences in terms of um so after all of the kind of the preparation that you did had you decided what way you had wanted to go like pain relief wise yeah I definitely wanted to um try without the epidural um anything that I had read was like you know the epidural can slow things down and your body is kind of made to do this and you know with all the breathing techniques that I had learned and the hypnobirth thing I really wanted to try um not to get the epidural as well but I also obviously knew that like it was great to have the option I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to it if, I, if it was something that I just couldn't couldn't handle but I was kind of in the yeah. back of my mind I was like no I got this I'll be fine like I've got a really high pain threshold <laughs> and um yeah so was um was all set for that and just really excited we were so excited we were actually living with my mom at the time um we moved in with her just after we found out we were pregnant because we were we were building next door and um, so during this whole process, we were building a house as well. And at the start, it was like, oh, you know, we're going to get in before the baby. And that didn't happen. <laughs> and um, I suppose with the snow and then we had lots of builder issues. Um, we were still living with mom um, when I had Harry and we didn't end up moving in until he was 14 months old. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So but I think at that stage, I was like, oh, we're only going to be with mom for maybe a month or so. Um and then we'll move. So we didn't do like we didn't get like a baby room ready or anything like that. But like we were pre as prepared as we could be, I suppose, for living in my mom's. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that everything was fine. And um, like the further the pregnancy went on, I started to experience um, kind of these shooting pains down my left leg. And it, had ha it happened a few times. And I think it was to do with maybe getting in and out of the car and also work, the commute and everything. It was just, um, yeah, the pain. It was sciatica, I found out afterwards. But it was, um, I think I was probably around, it got really bad about 37, uh, 38 weeks to the point where I was in quite a lot of pain and um nothing I was doing but like I went to so many physios um I tried swimming I tried pretty much everything that you can think of like heat and cold and massage and everything like that but it was just nothing nothing was relieving it and it was this shooting pain I'll never forget like started in my like left bum cheek all the way down my leg I think it was I think it's basically the baby is sitting on the sciatic nerve 
or I think there was a part as well the physio was telling me that like there's a muscle in your bum cheek that can clench onto this nerve as well and I think it was um it was something like that anyway <laughs> and it um was excruciating so I was 39 weeks exactly um I finished up work on the Friday and I had a really really bad weekend whereas I didn't sleep for the whole weekend I don't remember like any sleep I just this pain lying down made it worse the only kind of relief that I would get is like um lying over the birthing ball and okay that would relieve it a tiny bit or Ken would massage it. But that whole weekend, I did not sleep. I remember looking back at, like, at my Fitbit because it shows your sleep and there was just nothing because I, I hadn't slept because the pain was so bad. I was like, what What am I going to do? I didn't know what I was going to do. And then it was Monday morning. I, I had terrible Sunday night and crying and I didn't know what I was going to do. And... Monday morning I um Ken was like this is it I'm taking you to Rotunda A&E you know they're gonna have to do something and at that stage I was I was kind of so worn down and everything I was just like yeah okay let's go and went in and they examined me and I was nowhere near um giving birth or anything like that and so they were like well we can give you salpity and I think at that stage I just broke down I started wailing I was just like I can't do this and I um, walked out of the uh, Rotunda A&E and just bumped into my aunt by accident and she saw me in floods of tears and she was like what's wrong what's wrong and I was like I can't do this the pain is so bad and um, she was like okay hang on a second and went back in and obviously had a chat with the doctors and she came out and she was like, okay, they're going to admit you. And I was, I was so happy. Oh. Yeah. I was just so happy that they were like taking me seriously and that they were going to do something. Mm. Um, I was so relieved, but I didn't even know what they were, what they would do, whether they're going to induce me early or whatever was going to happen. But I just, that I knew that the pain was going to end um, was amazing. So, God, it's, it sounds like it just like was overriding everything yeah it just it just took over everything yeah. all the plans all everything it just it, it just stopped me in my tracks I just couldn't I could not function I remember like crying in the car on the way up like every tiny bump that Ken would go over like I was in just so much pain and then I was worried about the baby as well because I was so stressed that it just it wasn't a good situation at all so I did feel like relieved that I was admitted and I was admitted on the Monday and they kind of just managed my pain. So they actually gave me a pethidine injection. I think that could have been on the Monday. And I think they give that to people in labor sometimes um, Mm -hmm. at the start of labor. And that didn't really do anything for the pain. It just kind of made me out of it. I remember being like, I can still feel the pain, but I don't really care because (laughs) I'm out But um, that, yeah, that I ended up staying a week then before I had Harry into the, it was like um, like a prenatal ward in the rotunda. And that was a very interesting week. I have to say, like the characters that I met, there was like six beds in there. Uh, the night times were just insane. Like they were just insane because there was a constant like stream. There were like 
women would be brought in in early labor and they would be put there until like there was a space for them for the delivery um suite and the things i heard like poor women screaming and shouting and being thrown into wheelchairs and ran down the corridor like it was just like I wasn't sleeping anyway so it was it was a bit of like entertainment well it wasn't really entertaining <laughs> <laughs> it was probably wasn't good for you yeah. knowing what you're about to enter into it was a bit daunting but like still like first time mama is really naive I was like that's not gonna happen to me like <laughs> yeah <laughs> fine they're so dramatic <laughs> Um, so once you were admitted, you didn't leave then until you had Harry. Yeah, I didn't didn't leave because um, I was seeing like the consultants would come and do their rounds, and the first day I think they were like, "We'll just see how you get on." And then the second day, I was like, "This pain isn't getting any better," and they're saying, "So they're saying, okay, we're going to put a plan in for induction, and we're going to induce you on the Wednesday." Um, and I was I was happy then, do you know? But I. I I was happy and I wasn't happy because everything that I had read about induction, I didn't want an induction because it just, from what I had read, it just starts off this kind of cascade of interventions. And I ended up having every intervention under the sun um, because I was induced because like he wasn't ready to come, but I was in so much pain that I felt like I didn't have a choice. Um, And when I look back, I wonder if like it had gotten a bit better, would I've been able to manage it? But I just remember being in that time and being like, yeah, I just need to get this baby out because I knew when the baby was out, um, the pain would stop and it did like Mm. overnight. So um, yeah, they put a plan in for induction. I think it was the Wednesday or the Thursday. Um, I think it was probably the Thursday actually, but what happened, I think they were just very busy. And I ended up being um, induced on a Thursday. So it would have been like 39 plus four at that stage. And it was started off, I was started off with um, a sweep, which was um, like just in the bed with the six other women, like obviously the curtains are closed and everything, but like I wasn't expecting that to be as, um, as a, I don't know what the word I could use, for a sweet uh, intrusive it feels like intrusive. someone is trying to get your intestines or something it was just yeah it was it was it was a lot um got the sweep nothing happened and they I got the gels I think I got two of the gels and it was great actually because um Ken was with me throughout this whole time and he was in and out and brought my baby bag in and everything just when it, when he come around to Teddy the second like I was just on my own and everyone was on their own so it was just it was great that he was with me um so got the gels and then they had worked I think they say that they make your cervix favorable and they're like okay now we can break your waters so again in the ward they just broke the waters um nothing much happened like I obviously stood up and felt a gush and then I was just told to walk around, but it didn't really start anything off or anything like that. Um, so I'm trying to think. That was probably, yeah, the Thursday, um, maybe around 12 o'clock. And I was kind of left then maybe till about seven. Just I was bouncing on the ball, ball loads, trying to get things going. 
I I could feel like a few cramps, but nothing major. And um, yeah, so they brought me down. I think around seven or eight. I remember because it was um, it was like a shift change. So I think they brought me down, and I got settled in the room. And then this, there was a, a shift change, and I I got a new midwife. So. Then um, she just kind of explained to me the whole process with induction and the drip, the dreaded drip and what that does. And I was still quite naive and I was like, okay, that's fine. And yeah, let's go for the drip, but I'm not going to do any pain relief or anything like that um, because I wanted to experience contractions as well. And I wanted to, um, you know, to see if my body could cope with it. So, um, we started on that and they start off kind of slow on the drip and then the, the contractions start and then they slowly build up. And it was at the start, it was fine. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. It's grand. I'm doing my breathing. I had my tens machine. I had my, um, aromatherapy. I had my playlist. <laughs> I had the candles, the, you know, the electric candles. Um, and I was really in the zone and it was like, you know, I'm doing this, this is fine. My baby's coming, everything's going to be grand. And it just got more intense, more and more intense. Like the contractions started coming one on top of of the other. And I think I got to six centimeters and I couldn't cope. I could not cope um, with the contractions. I don't know whether that was just because of the drip or just with myself, but I was wailing for the epidural <laughs> at that stage and um I was kind of like it's kind of like a blur um for that it's kind of like w- by the time I, I remember the midwife had me on my side and I had this the the ball between my legs and then I just remember like sucking on the gas and air and then getting to a point where I was like I can't cope with this like just that feeling of I thought like my body was being torn apart. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I got the epidural and that was grand. And yeah, then everything was nice and calm. It was like I was wrecked, but it was just the relief. I was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. And so they were like trying to get Ken to sleep for an hour or something. And they were going to... um they like lay out um, like a non mattress or like a few mats for him on the ground. And they're like, right, dad, you need to get to sleep for an hour. She's going to rest for an hour. And then we're going to kick off again. Um, but I don't think that happened because I actually dilated to 10 centimeters quite fast. And then um, came in to check me and she's like, oh, you're ready to go. And we were like, oh, great, amazing. You know, this is great. So um, started to push then. And I suppose because of the epidural, it's hard to know if you're doing it right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a funny sensation because you're, you're like pushing with all your might, but then you're just not sure if it's actually doing anything. So that's basically what happened. I think I pushed for about an hour and a half, two hours. And he just was not coming. <laughs> like there, there was like he would come down a tiny bit and then like 
I don't know, scooch back up again. And I was getting really frustrated. Then I was like, just tell me, just tell me you can't see. I'm just like, no, no, I can see a tiny bit of the head. And I was like, no, you can't, you can't. I was just getting really like tired. Yeah. Did you have a sleep when you when you got the epidural? Did you no, have no. snooze? No, like we had, it was like about an hour. And yeah, kind of like, I suppose, kind of lay back and relax. But no, I, I definitely didn't sleep. I um, way too way too wired for that um yeah so I was just exhausted then and then everything I suppose happened uh really quickly again they were like Emma we're going to have to get the doctor in to have a look and I was like no no I don't want this because with all my reading and education I was like I knew that that meant um like either uh suction like fontus or forceps or something like that and I was adamant. I was like, no, like I can push him out myself. And they were like, well, you've been pushing for two hours now and you're not making much progress. Um, so basically we need to do something. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how it ended up. Um, I got, he was um, suction. So suction cup. And actually he came really quickly then. Um, I think I pushed once or twice and then he was there and yeah that was just like they were like it's a boy and I was just like oh god like you know just out of it like like delighted and also feeling completely removed from the situation as well just being so exhausted and I remember he was um put on my chest and um that was so that that was seven o'clock the next morning so I was brought down at 7 p.m. and I ended up having him at uh, 20 past seven. So it was actually lovely. The sun was coming up and with the rotunda, um, the windows face down kind of onto O'Connell Street. So you could hear all like the traffic and the birds singing and everything. Um, so, yeah, it was just a really surreal moment. And then he was he was here and it was just amazing. But um, I think I was in shock then because I <laughs> I just was like I'm gonna get sick and I just started puking them everywhere I think it was just like the shock of everything that had just happened so they gave um, Ken the baby and he did skin to skin and he was absolutely perfect there was not a bother on him and I think I was just a bit a bit out of it and I ended up having um, an episiotomy so I had to get stitched up then and um Oh yeah, they had to deliver the placenta, which I don't really remember, to be honest. It was grand. Um, yeah, so then uh, Harry was here, all eight pounds, 14 ounces of him. Yeah. And it's actually boy. so funny, well, not so funny, but um, he was born on the 18th of May and then the royal wedding was the 19th of May. So I was in the rotunda and we were all watching the royal wedding, of course, and they're like, oh, did you call him Harry? Because the royal wedding... No, I didn't. <laughs> so um yeah. And you know it was lovely. Um I was just looking back at pictures just before Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This um, being in the rotunda, but it was just mad because I had so many visitors. Like I had my father-in-law, um, Ken's cousin, my mother, my two brothers and their wives, um, my friends, <laughs> like everyone came in, like just compared to to the way it is now it was just mad like my friends we have we always had this kind of pact and they said that when um I had him they were going to bring me in champagne <laughs> to the hospital <laughs> and they actually did it was the funniest oh, okay they literally just closed the curtain and they were trying to be so quiet <laughs> and we were just like Ooh, like I had a little toast <laughs> and it was just so lovely like so such chalk and cheese experiences like to people in the hospital now but like looking back as well like it's a bit mad do you know like you're yeah. just after giving birth you're in bits and you have everyone that you know coming in to visit you like see the baby and everything and you're just kind of like you're trying to establish breastfeeding and like feeling awkward about that as well so um yeah I just remember it being being crazy crazy time and then when we brought him home it was the same thing um we had brought him home to my mother's house obviously so we couldn't couldn't just close the door and I remember like my mother was there my auntie was there my granny was there <laughs> everyone was there and I was just like I just want to go to bed <laughs> can you just leave me alone please I know it's it's like because even I like I've experienced it similar to you um yeah in hospital when everyone's coming in it's like a revolving door but you're on a high so you're kind of distracted by it 
And then on the flip side, when like we're literally waving through our families, waving through a window and they can't even come through the front door. But it is a nice I I enjoyed second time around knowing that I didn't have yeah. to entertain or get dressed or, you know, it was yeah. look halfway right. Yeah, it was nice. And you have more to yourself then as well. You have the baby more to yourself. Yeah. You're not going a million places and trying to do or for me as well, my first I think I was just trying to prove that, you know, that my life hadn't changed and I was bringing them here, there and everywhere, trying to, you know, pretend everything is is fine and normal, but like, it's not, obviously. So yeah, the there was, there was no pressure. There was no pressure like that second time around. And I felt like, yeah, I really, and like second time around in the hospital, I got to rest. I actually got to rest loads because newborns sleep a lot. So whenever... Uh, the baby was sleeping I was sleeping whereas in the the first time like there's no <laughs> even if you don't have visitors every single other person in the ward has visitors and it's so loud and manic like you're not getting much rest and we're of course we're all watching the royal wedding and it's, <laughs> it's just that's so funny I never even thought of did you name him after Harry yeah yeah, yeah that's it <laughs> I didn't think about it at all <laughs> And how did you feel then in the weeks after having Harry? Yeah, I felt good. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't feel um, that shell shocked really. Actually, what happened was we brought him home, and when I was discharged, the midwife was a bit concerned because he was quite jaundiced, and they're like, "I really wanted to go home," and they were like, "Okay, well, you can go home, but you're going to have to bring him back up." the next day um, to get the jaundice levels checked. And I was like, yeah, grand, fine, no problem. Um, so we brought him home that day and he was really quite yellow and very sleepy. So then the next day, and this is quite funny as well, total stupid first time parents. <laughs> we brought him back up to the rotunda and put him in the car seat, probably had a lovely little outfit on him and everything and didn't bring a baby bag. <laughs> Didn't bring a nappy, didn't bring, like I was breastfeeding, so we didn't have to bring food, but just didn't even think to bring anything with us. We literally brought the baby and the car seat. <laughs> I just look back now and like, I can't leave the house without a million things in my bag. And I just thought it was just so funny. So um, we ended up bringing him back in and uh, his jaundice levels had gone really high and he was really sleepy and this is another thing about the hospital, I suppose. I don't think I didn't have breastfeeding established at all. Like I, I kept saying to the midwives, oh yeah, everything's grand and he's feeding away. But in hindsight, he wasn't feeding away and I didn't know that. And I didn't know that like my milk hadn't come in or anything like that. So he wasn't getting much food at all. And because he was sleeping so much. So when he, when we brought him in the next day, he had dropped more than like 10% of his birth weight and his levels were quite high. So um, they readmitted us. They're like, oh no, you can't, you can't go home. Okay. Yeah, so I was a bit distraught at that because I was literally in a tracksuit with nothing with me <laughs> and no baby bag or anything. Um, so they're like, we're going to, yeah, readmit you. So I was put onto like a postnatal ward, but I was actually in a room of my own. And he was um, beside me in um, what they call, an incubator for 24 hours and I had to kind of establish the breastfeeding then and I was pumping to get my milk going. I had to feed him every two hours, I remember. So I was like in a, this cycle of um, 
feeding, pumping, feeding, pumping, and then him. It's hard work. Yeah. Incubator. And I think that's when the, the, the day four tears, is that what they're called? Day three or day four. That's when I had a meltdown, absolute meltdown, bawling, crying. And Ken actually went home to get our baby bags and everything. And he fell asleep. And I swear to God, I was going to kill him. Like, um, but he was just so exhausted. Like he had gone through the whole thing as well. You know, it was just, um, that was, yeah, complete meltdown that day. And that was a really hard day um, with the, the feeding and everything. And I don't like, for me, the breastfeeding never really, it never really fit for me, not fit. Um, so I have really flat nipples and he just okay. never latched properly. You know, I could just, every time I would try and latch him, it was like a battle and like, God love him, he wasn't getting anything. And I think I have very low milk supply as well. So I never, um, I never, I don't think I ever made enough when I tried everything and the pumping and the supplements and everything. But what I ended up doing was starting to use nipple shields, which I think, mm -hmm. well, they say can reduce the, reduce your supply too. But of course, I thought everything was was perfect, and um, the first twelve weeks went really well. Now he was tiny; he was really, really small. He was eight fourteen when he was born, but he didn't really gain a lot of weight. And I was a bit clueless. I think the public health nurse wasn't particularly helpful; didn't really help me with with breastfeeding or anything like that. And I remember bringing him back for the three month check, and um, he was like something, he was, when he was born, he was like on the 98th centile. And when I brought him back, he was on the fourth or something like that. And she was a bit visibly shocked. I remember even though, I don't know, she wasn't great anyway, but um, she was visibly shocked. She was like, oh, 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 what's going on here? And I was like, well, like I'm breastfeeding him. I'm like, I'm, I never stopped breastfeeding him, but he wasn't gaining and he was he was really quite small I can't remember the weight in total but he, he had not put on a lot at all and um she wasn't um I don't know she wasn't much help she kind of just rang me up then afterwards and she's like have you joined any breastfeeding groups and I was like yes I have I've actually joined loads of them and like I have had good advice and support from them but um there's obviously something not right here and like yeah yeah of like the low milk supply um the nipple shields and also he never really cried for food from very early on he was kind of sleeping through the night so he wasn't wasn't a very hungry baby even though he was quite big so at that 12 weeks I was quite stressed and I was like I don't know what to do here and um I decided to give him formula um, and then from then on, so I think a combination fed for a bit, but it's so funny, his three, his three month picture and his four month picture, it's like a different child. He's this like small little skinny baby at three months and then four months, he's like, boom, <laughs> these cheeks, big pudge. And I was just like, oh, I just felt really guilty then. I was like, he wasn't obviously getting um, enough like god love him and he didn't he didn't cry so i didn't i wasn't really i wasn't really i didn't really know what was going on and the first time mom anyway as well i was just a bit clueless and i just look back now and be like oh my god <laughs> poor child was starving 
When did you decide to start for baby number two? Or did you? Was it a, a conscious decision to start trying? When Harry was about one, we said, um, we try again. So we said, fuck it, let's, uh, let's go for it. I was, it took me probably till he was about one. I was still like, I remember just being like, oh God, I don't ever want to do that again. And just the birth mm. and everything like didn't go my way. And I remember being quite disappointed about the birth just because I felt that like, if I had only like maybe stuck with the pain or I would have loved to have gone into labor myself and that didn't work out for me. So I just remember thinking, just being disappointed. And, and it took me a, the full year before I was ready to be like, okay, let's, um, let's think about number two. And we had moved into our house actually um, in that September, I think. And I got pregnant in the October. And we had been trying again for maybe three months. I think it was from when the time we decided to, to try. And then I think we missed a month and there was holidays. And I think it was about three months again um, until I got pregnant again and no no issues getting pregnant so I was just like a, a part of me was like okay maybe the first was just a fluke and maybe I will have trouble again the second time so I, I didn't want to leave it too late but yeah just it just happened then and I just remember bringing um the pregnancy test down to Ken and he was with Harry um in the kitchen and mm-hmm. I was like oh he's gonna be a big brother and he's just like what <laughs> It's funny. Um, yeah, so that was last October. And this time round, I was really a lot sicker. Really, the nausea was um, constant, like just puke. I definitely puked every day. And the sickness was, I remember, like, I would be driving to work and I'd have to pull over and puke in the side of the ditch. Oh. I I used to drive to Dublin and then walk to work and I puked behind a skip. I puked just on the street. There was lots of places. I just had to. It was just it would just come up and I was like, oh oh, here we go. Um, and then so, so part of me was like, oh, I think maybe it's a girl this time because I'm girl, so sick. Yeah. I'm sicker than I was. On- yeah. And um, everyone's like, oh, yeah, because the hormones, girls have more hormones. Um, it's definitely a girl. It's definitely a girl. And I was like, oh, great, you know. And um, we actually found out this time because I just wanted to know this time. I felt like the birth was a big enough shock for me that um, I just wanted to be more prepared, I think. And because I had a boy already, I wanted to, you know, organize myself, I suppose, with all the clothes and everything. So and um, we found out on the 20 week scan that it was another little boy oh lovely and when did the vomiting subside was it around the same time as your your 20 week scan yeah around 16 weeks yeah and then it, it's so funny it just it just stops then and you get your appetite back and the second trimester i felt fantastic i really i felt like so much energy um I really felt great and there was a lot going on um because I was back to work and I was commuting and Harry was in the crash and that Christmas had yeah come and gone and so that was January February so it was like the dark cold months but I actually felt fine 
that so I had been in the office in February and then I never I never went back to the office that was it then because we were working from home it was big lockdown um my job it was quite stressful because um there was a lot of worries that the company was going to close because of covid and I the creches were closed so we had Harry at home Ken was at home I was trying to work from home there was just there was a lot going on I just remember that period just trying to trying to keep with keep up with all the meetings and all the work while being pregnant and trying to um, mind Harry as well I just remember it just being quite overwhelming it wasn't a, a relaxing a third trimester anyway but you know what I used to love my appointments oh my god it was that was my time to get out of the house like I had a legitimate valid reason to leave the house and we live in Mead and I would drive all the way up to the rotunda and I'd be only delighted with myself because there was no traffic or anything and it was just like that escape and to see other people I was like I would hate when my appointments would go too quickly because I'd be like, no, don't, I don't want to go home. And then I'm not back again for another four weeks. Um, so will I go into Teddy's birth then? Yeah, yeah. So did you do the same? Did you revisit hypnobirthing or did you do any, oh, have any more strategies? Yeah, I was determined, really, really determined. And I, ha- I was visualizing and I was like, this time it's going to be different. I'm going to go into labor by myself. Um, you know, it's got, and also, can I just say every single person I know ruined me because everyone was like, oh, your second is so quick. It'll be so quick. And my mother was like, oh, my second was an hour and a half. And friends being like, your second is no bother. Not, nothing compared to the first. And I was like, oh, this is great. It's going to be so easy. <laughs> and I think I wish I didn't listen to them because I was just, it was the opposite. And um, I, so I had that in my head. I was like, oh, this is going to be brilliant. And also, I didn't get any sciatica, which was amazing. And I, and I put that down to obviously the lockdown, but also having a toddler and just being so active that I just, you know, my I was just so much more active that I didn't have any problems with that. Thank God. That's one thing I was really worried about. And like, I was afraid if I got it like earlier on in the pregnancy or anything, but no issues there, which is amazing. So yeah, I was really active. Like I was walking up until like 40, 41 weeks. Um, I had done loads of preparation, loads of reading, gone back on my books, everything. And uh, was like, you know, this is, it's, it's going to be so different. And um, <laughs> just, I just think they were so naive. But um, that I really wanted to go into labor myself. Um, and then I got to 40 weeks and I had one scare just before that where I felt like I didn't feel him moving and everything was fine. They monitored me and everything was fine. But I think I got a bit paranoid then after 40 weeks because I had read that, um, you know, you're more likely, there's more likely for something to go wrong. And, you know, the, the later that you go on. And I think I had this kind of due date in my head as that was my target. And of course, I thought I was going to go early as well, which is hilarious. But um, yeah, I think I was a bit stressed about that and like feeling him moving. I just got very fed up. And I remember being in um, from my last appointment and the consultant 
and just said, so um, will we set a day for induction? And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. Because in my head, I was like, I'm not going to make it there. Like I'm going to go into labor myself. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah. And she's like, okay, grand. So uh, next Thursday. And I was like, fine. And she gave me a sweep. She gave me a sweep, yeah. And I think I was back in and she gave me another sweep um, a few days before. And of course I was still like second sweep. This is definitely going to kick off now. Definitely going to labor. Um, everything ready to go, bag packed, the whole lot. And um, then the day came of my induction and I was really shocked. I was like, what? And that was, so that was 41 weeks. And um, looking back now, I kind of wish I had said, no, I'll hang on because there was nothing like I was fine. I was getting a bit anxious about feeling him move all the time but other than that everything was fine but I think I was just fed up at that stage so it just happened then induction the induction day was there and I was like okay I suppose I'll just do this and um my mom dropped me up because Ken couldn't be with me and uh she yeah she dropped me up and I was still a bit like is this really happening like still in the back of my head being like no I'm definitely I'm definitely going to go into labor, but, and then of course my other brain side of the brain was like, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. Mm. Um, so I was happy. I suppose something was happening. And then do you know what it was? I had done so much um, research as well about inductions without the drip. I was adamant. I didn't want the drip, whatever way it happened. And I had heard about like being induced on your second is a lot easier. Actually, the consultant said that to me. She's like, We'll induce you in the morning and you'll have your baby by tea time. And I was like, all right, that, that sounds, sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I like, yeah, so I, I had looked at and I had like Googled so much about, you know, induction second time round and so many forums and all had said it's so much easier. I didn't need it. I didn't need the drip. All I needed was um, my water's broken and then things progressed naturally and the baby was there in two and a half hours. And I, was kind of like oh that's what's going to happen for me now and um but of course once you're admitted <laughs> that doesn't happen at all um they checked me out and they said I think I was a bit favorable so I was given a gel and then six hours later I was given another gel and then it, they decided and it was around 10 o'clock that night and then they were like well what we'll do is we could break your waters and bring it into the delivery suite, but it's absolutely manic down there. So you don't want to go down there tonight. Let's just wait till tomorrow. And I was happy enough with that because I didn't want obviously to go down and it to be just manic. So I was just in a room on my own then and Ken wasn't with me. So that was quite long and it was quite um, isolating as well, just being in the room by myself and didn't know what was going on like no one was kind of coming to check on me or anything and I, I had been feeling a few contractions that night and, and I thought again you know this is it and everything's going to kick off so in the next morning um, my waters were broken and I started to walk around but then after about an hour I was like I don't think my waters are broken at all so I called a midwife and she checked and they weren't broken at all. So I had to have my waters broken again. <laughs> and um, then they were the second time. And I started walking around then and um, 
again convinced that something was going to happen um, because I was overdue and it was my second baby and everything was good and I had gotten a few contractions and at that stage Ken was called in he would had been waiting out in the car and they're like okay you can tell your husband to come in because um we're going to bring you down to the delivery suite so they brought me down to the delivery suite and um the minute was like how are you feeling and I was like yeah I'm definitely feeling um some contractions and she's like okay great so I'm going to give you two hours and you just walk around and let's hope that that gets things moving. So I was like, okay, great. But so then I was sent off to walk the halls, but Ken wasn't allowed to go with me. So he was just left on his own in the, in the delivery suite while I went walking up and down and around and hoping for something to happen. And so I was two centimeters, I think at that stage. And then I did that for two hours and came back and I was still two centimeters. (laughs) And I feel like, you know, just when they bring you down, it's very medicalized and you're, you are on the clock. Do you know, you're just, you've got that feeling that, and of course I knew because I had experienced it before, but also because I had read so much, I I knew the next thing was the drip. And she was like, uh, the midwife was like, all right, Emma, you're still um, two centimeters. We're going to have to help you on your way here. And I was like, okay, but before I get the drip, can I get the epidural? Because I found the drip really hard the last time. So they were like, fine. And the epidural came. I got that. And then I got the drip. And the same thing happened to me then again, what happened uh, the last time I actually ended up dilating very very quickly so I'd say I got the drip around two maybe around four I was at 10 centimeters and ready to go I remember she sent Ken down to get um to get some food and then she's like oh maybe you should text your husband and tell him to come back up because you're at 10 centimeters I was like oh my god brilliant so um he came back up and they were like okay let's let's start this and let's start the push and and so we started the pushing again and I pushed and pushed and pushed, but like, again, nothing was happening. Um, he wasn't moving down at all. Um, I don't know, was I not, was I not doing it right? Or cause the epidural, like I thought I was, but it was just exhausting. Like, and the midwife, she was lovely, but like, she was very much coaching, like push, 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 push. And I was, getting a bit frustrated with that as well and I don't think I was breathing properly and like catching my breath and stuff and you know really trying to push but um it just it's not it wasn't really happening but whatever way and it's so funny because my aunt kind of said to me in hindsight she's like maybe you just don't have a pelvis where the babies can come down I was like well maybe I don't know because I'm really tall um I'm nearly six foot and you know I'm big and like so there's plenty of room for babies to come down do you yeah. know that way it's not like I'm I have um like really small hips or anything like that I thought I'd have no bother and actually another midwife said that to me she's like oh you're tall you'll be grand in labor like, oh great <laughs> <laughs> I just listened to everyone childbearing hips is uh, the one I've heard before I yeah. heard that in secondary school <laughs> thanks oh, really? yeah so funny it's like people just make assumptions yeah. and of course I went along and I was like yeah brilliant that's me I'm 
perfect in labor. Um, so yeah, pushed and pushed and pushed, nothing. But like the baby was fine. So they were checking on the baby and then, you know, of course they start to talk. Now I'm at, um, I think we might need to get someone in to see if you need a hand. And I was really adamant, no, 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 I don't want this. Can you just let me do it myself? I know I can push this baby out. Just no. And they're like, okay, we'll give you another half an hour. And of course the half an hour came and went and nothing. And then they found out that he was to the side. Okay. So he was kind of stuck. So his head was completely to the side. And that's basically why he wasn't coming down. And um, the doctor came in and of course I was... I was a bit upset at that stage and they were like okay we're gonna to have to get the doctor in so the doctor came in and she said um I was presuming it was going to be another vacuum and I think I was okay with that and then she said no it's 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 gonna to have to be forceps because his head is swollen uh, so we can't put the suction cap on it and then I got a bit hysterical because I really just did not want forceps and because also I really did not want a c-section so I I don't know if I have a fear of c-sections or the, the fear of the recovery but I really just did not want a section and, and I was afraid that that's the way it was going to end up with this like cascade of interventions and then if it's a failed forceps then it's going to be um a cesarean so um I was a bit yeah I was a bit panicky then and then they were like, okay, we're, going, we're actually going to do it in theatre because um, we've only, we've only something like, we have a 70% chance this will work. Um, but if it doesn't work, we're going to have to do a section. And, you know, I was just, I was a bit numb, numb and a bit stunned then. And then as soon as I agreed to that, everything changed in the room. There was like 12 people in the room. They were stripping me down putting compression socks on me, taking my clothes off, putting a gown on me, putting my hair in a cap. Ken was put out and I was, during all this, just being like, what's going on? Like, no, no, I don't want this. I don't want this. I just remember saying, I don't want to be knocked out because they kept asking me, have you had an anesthetic before? How has that been? And I was like, yeah, I have. And it's been fine. But like, I don't want to be knocked out. And they're like, you're not going to be knocked out. We just have to ask these questions. And I was, you know, panicking then, and you know, drink this and this is going to be fine. And, and then I think I just, I think I just I completely went numb then. And I just kind of let them take over. And it was from then on, I felt like the birth just happened to me that I wasn't really a participant in it. Um, it's a funny, funny way to look back on it, but that's how I felt. They were just all in the room. There was a person for everything. And, you know, I was just there. Um, so they got ready to do this. And I kind of, I don't know if I calmed down or if I just numbed out, but I just lay there and I was like, okay. And the doctor was like, okay, Emma, um, we're going to go for this now. And... So I remember she went to perform it and then I heard her say, um, bring the dad in. So I was like, oh, okay, this is going to work. I'm not going to need a C-section. And I was a bit relieved. So Ken was brought in then and uh, he was born by forceps and episiotomy again. 
and uh yeah it was just just not not what i had expected at all from wanting to have like (laughs) drug-free you know even in induction or or quick labor everything basically that you know i didn't think was going to happen did happen and i just was a bit i was just a bit shocked with the whole thing and um then I was stitched up and the whole lot, but he was really, really, really bruised. Like, like I can't really look at the pictures of him from his birth and I, I couldn't share them with anyone. He was born that night at half nine and I just remember being brought back to the ward and I, I, I just I rang my mom and I said, he's here, you know, she was very worried. And I just sent a few text messages to friends, like, he's here, we'll catch up tomorrow. Um, just in a bit of shock, basically. But he was so badly bruised. He had two forcep marks over his whole face, his cheeks, his eyes, and quite red and bruised. And uh, I just remember looking at him and just just feeling so bad for him that, that, that this is how, how it ended up. And then brought down to recovery and because of COVID, we were allowed, we weren't even in a room together. We were just in this kind of recovery ward for, I would say, one hour. And then I was wheeled to the lifts to be brought up to the, to be brought up to the ward. And they're like, okay, dad, this is where you say goodbye. And like, you know, the porter was there, midwife, they're all just standing there. I'm here holding the baby and I was like, oh, okay, bye like just out of it completely and just in, in shock and he was just like all right bye <laughs> you know it was he felt terrible as well after just everything that had happened um so yeah we were brought up then um brought up to the ward probably about 11 o'clock and that was it. You're on your own with the baby then. But I must say that the midwives were very good and they're quite attentive. There was only three of us in the room and they were really helpful with me, um, with him that night because I just, I wasn't able for anything. I, I felt like I had just gone through the wars and like I didn't have surgery, but I felt like I had literally all the drugs that they basically give you for surgery. So just felt quite out of it. And they um, they helped helped me with him that night. I think they took him for a few hours because I was just exhausted. Um, but then he had to have like extra checks and everything because, and I remember people just coming in and doctors coming in and being like, "Oh, is that him? Yeah. Oh, yes, the bruise. It is the bruising's quite bad. Like, and just feeling terrible like for him. And um, yeah, unfortunately. It hasn't, um, it didn't just heal. So he um, he still has a droopy eyelid due to the forceps. So that's another thing that we've been uh, dealing with. Um, I won't go into like hugely, but he, um, I remember when we were being discharged and I, his um, right eye was not open as much as his left. And I said it to the midwife and they're like, oh no, sometimes, you know, it takes, babies up to five days to open their eyes fully and I was like okay fair enough um gave it a few weeks and it just didn't improve and he still has it now 
they've basically confirmed that it's nerve damage due to forceps and they're hoping that it might resolve itself but if not he might need uh, surgery might need like a little stitch to keep the um eyelid open so it was just a bit yeah but he's absolutely gorgeous and he's another really really easy baby because <laughs> everyone said to me as well you know your your second will just be mad and you know will be completely different to your first but he's just really settled into the family really well and he's really really chilled i hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you'd like to share your story you're more than welcome to you can get in touch via instagram at ireland's birth stories or you can reach out over the website irelandsbirthstories.ie i look forward to bringing you another episode a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.